Fries is a new podcast hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Marketing Officer at Lola.com. Gene has built and led marketing teams, authored top-selling marketing materials, and served on advisory boards all around Greater Boston. With Table Fries, Gene sets out to interview every woman working at Lola.com. Gene will talk about motivation, what makes a good day, and we'll connect the dots between guests in a special way. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. To find all the new and previous episodes of Table Fries, check out your favorite podcast platforms or visit us at lola.com slash table fries. And don't forget, Gene is building Boston's next great B2B marketing team at lola.com. So be sure to stay updated on new roles at the lola.com careers page. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. Welcome to Table Fries, the Lola.com podcast for the women of Lola, because we like to share a lot. And today I have Chelsea with me. Chelsea's been with the company for just a little over a year now. She's responsible for paying all of the bills at the company. It's a, it's quite a, quite a thing that she has to deal with. And I remember she was one of the very first people that I had to interact with, because before we had Natasha, our HR manager, you were responsible for filling out all those forms. So welcome. Welcome to today's show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, I know. You're excited and a little bit nervous. A little little bit nervous, right? Yes. And so I just asked you to think about all those new hires that came through and all the dumb questions. I'm just going to go on record as saying I was like dumb question 248, trying to figure out like how with the debit card thing, the debit, the wonderful benefits that we had. And I'm so confused, but because I'd never had one of those before. Right. Right. Well, and being in accounting, I had never done benefits before either. So <laughs> joining a startup, you know, you do those different types of jobs and tasks and it was great to learn. Yeah, it was a good, a good aspect. But I mean, as the company continues to grow, you have more and more responsibilities. But before you joined, what, what made you decide to join Lola? Yeah. So prior to Lola, I was at PwC. I was auditing there for about four years. Um, and I had a colleague actually who had left PwC, I would say about two years before me and came to Lola and had nothing but amazing things to say. That's Allison. Mm -hmm. Um, She was Lane at the time. Now she's Connors. Mm -hmm. But she had left, loved the job, and it was actually in the middle of busy season, so it wasn't really looking. Mm -hmm. But you guys were hiring. Well, Lola was hiring, and she had just told me that I would love it here and I should just come in, just meet people and see how I like it. And I came in and I was just immediately sold on everyone I met and just the passion. I just remember everyone was so passionate about the product and wanting it to grow. And I just had never experienced that in my previous job of just people being so passionate about something. And I just wanted to be a part of the team immediately. So you were um, auditing. And when you said it was a busy season, it was after people have closed their books and before that they can say that this is good. So what was it like at PwC to have to audit? Well, it was... um very busy. Mm -hmm. So uh, during that time is like January through March and your hours go up a lot. You're working weekends and it's a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you just hit a point of, is this sustainable? Is this something you want to do forever? Do you want to, um, find something that's more day to day can fit into your life? And well, it's also too, cause you go on site, right? With these customers, you have all these clients. And so they book a conference room for you. 
you get lunch, you fly, or you stay wherever you're staying. You work from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. for as many days and working on all those audits. I've been part of audits where it's like, what about this invoice? And what about this receipt? Oh, yeah. No one wants, no one likes their auditors. No, no one no, wants no. It, it was fine. It was just every time that we had auditors, they were always in a conference room and then, you yep. know, and forever and ever and, and heads down. And you really didn't get a chance. You couldn't really even talk to each other that much. Right, right. So you didn't have that bonding experience. So yeah. when you say passion, it's probably because the environment was it. You were going to learn new things, too. Oh, absolutely. That was definitely the one thing I noticed about talking to everyone here that I had. We were lacking at in the auditing role. I had mm. never experienced that before. So that was really something I noticed I loved. So what did you go to school for? Well, I went to school for accounting and then I did my MBA following immediately after. And then I moved to Boston. My husband went to law school here. We moved here and that's when I started at PwC. I see. Yep. Okay. So you had some good experience under your belt and it's not exactly something you want to go back to, but yep. you, you, you have a lot of sympathy for auditors. Oh, yes. Um, I ask uh, most of our guests here, what's a single world word that would best describe you, do you think? So this is very difficult for me. It can to be think more than of. one word. Well, the first thing that I thought of, my mom always says I am her pragmatic daughter. She's just very realistic, rational. I see things black and white a lot. Never had this crazy imagination. Um, so I would say pragmatic. I think it goes into my work I do as well in the finance field of. Well, you do want to be black and white there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it isn't like it's not ish. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's really got to be on or off. Right. And I also like that part of the job of um, you can find it, like actual answers and yeah, avoid the grays. Yeah. That is that is something that that a lot of people say in finance because my undergraduate degree is in accounting as well, and I know I think of it as a puzzle trying to balance things. And I, I remember being a kid and working at um, State Line Potato Chip Company in Wilbraham, and I was a night accountant. And all the drivers would come back with all their money and like just dump the money because they you know think about Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day. They would be selling so many potato chips and all those snacks and it would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars that I had to count and I had to reconcile down to the penny and then I would take that money and I'd walk through an empty factory a, a potato chip factory and put it into the the drawer that I know I know I think about it now and it's like all by myself but I I totally love being able to reconcile and if something is off by 99 or 9 or anything you know that there's something that's gone wrong that you've you've done somewhere. Oh, absolutely. So. The puzzle. That's the puzzle. exactly what it is. It is the puzzle. And, it's, and some people love it. Some mm. people love the, you know, being more creative and imaginative, but I love my puzzle. <laughs> you love your puzzle. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I bet you can look at a spreadsheet and just kind of figure out where the where the mistake is just by eyeballing it, right? Of course. Of course. Okay. <laughs> um, what was the last book that you read, and did you like it? So the last book I read, I was Beach House by James Patterson. Mm -hmm. I love. I love most of James Patterson's book. Mm -hmm. I think they're just quick reads. Mm -hmm. They're not beach reads. Yeah, they're just mm -hmm. beach reads. They're right, quick. Right, right. They're like. Usually murder mystery, but mm -hmm. they're not too graphic. Like, yeah, not too graphic. I usually read before bed, and yeah. I don't want anything yeah, right. too, you don't, too frightening before bed. You don't want to unsee that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of James Patterson's book, just 
yep. ease of read and a great storyline. I love them all. Do you think it's a, a challenge that James Patterson co-writes with a lot of different writers? Mm-hmm. Are there, and I've noticed that, you know, you see the books, James Patterson as the headline and then somebody else. How do you think he does that? Do you think he gives them an outline, like here's an idea, here's a story, try to frame it out and then he edits it? Or have you noticed like reading different different stories? Do they vary? I don't know. I mean, I think that it's... I feel like James Patterson's book, you can tell just because it's, mm-hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of detail. It's like almost like this surface level story of you're just like cruising through <laughs> a storyline. Not like too, yeah, mm-hmm. not, nothing too deep. Um, any of his books, I feel, I mean, he, and he's written so many. Oh gosh, yes. That like, I think it would make sense to do something with another author just to, mm. I mean, come up with ideas. Additional, sure. I don't even know how you would come up with that many I <laughs> know, storylines. I mean, you know, you think about it and you think about like Agatha Christie. And I think she wrote 128 different books. And, you know, she had like Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot and all these different characters and stuff just to make it a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty funny. So if you're reading the book, okay, do you like a paper book? Do you like to hold the paper or are you okay on Kindle? Um, I'm definitely okay on Kindle, but I think I, I prefer a book. So when you go home at the end of the day, Chelsea, how do you know that you've had a good day? What does a good day look like to you? So I would say a good day to me would be, first of all, being here, you learn something new every day. Mm -hmm. But I would say something like I'm excited that I learned, Um, that I'm excited to do the next step with some sort of knowledge that I've learned that day Mm -hmm. and also to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish that day. I didn't, I don't feel like I have to go home and sign back on my computer and do a a few more things. I feel accomplished. I got done what I wanted to do that day, regardless of last minute meetings popping up Mm -hmm. or any last minute items that happen throughout the day. That would, I would feel like I had a great day that day. Yeah, because in your role, it's really important. I mean, between revenue and expenses and then closing out the month, closing out the quarter, closing out the half of the year. I mean, there's there's definitely ways or things that you have expectations in terms of deliverables and everything that you do for um, expenses. As an example, all the invoices. I know just what marketing does in terms of submitting the invoices, but you make it so easy because I can just go into the portal and approve it. And very recently I worked for companies where it was all paper, piles and piles of paper that I had to code and write descriptions on and then sit down with the accounts payable person to be able to say, this is an accrual, this is an event for November, this is an event for this, where this is a prepay, and just try to be able to walk through things. And then I would get my budget and inevitably it might not be correct because it's only so much that one person can do. And I remember this poor woman that was our accounts payable and she just had stacks and stacks of paper everywhere oh yeah to to be paperless with most of these items now is amazing and we've even how everything syncs together from Mm -hmm. the budgets to payables to our quickbooks to everything how it all syncs is amazing as well it definitely makes the job easier makes your life easier yes yes right without (laughs) hanging over a thousand pieces of paper to your 18-year-old self, remember way back when when you were 18? You just way back, go, way back when. Uh, when you were just going to go off to college to get your degree in accounting. What kind of advice would you give yourself? 
I would say to just try to live in the present as much as I could have. It's I feel like it's hard at that time because you're just ready for the next step or you're always looking for um, what am I going to do? What classes am I going to pick? What career path am I going to choose? And then you're ready to be 21 and then you're ready to graduate. And so I would just say try to live in the moment and enjoy that time as much as you can because life only gets busier faster, harder. More demands. Yeah, exactly. You've got a lot of flexibility when you're 18 and you're you're out of high school at that point and don't have to sit in a classroom for 180 days for goodness knows how many hours. So Right. And you always feel like you have no time to do anything back then and now it's like Right. I had so much time. I should have enjoyed so much time. Right, right. Can you, Ashley always likes to ask this question. I mean, that was a Stacy question, the 18-year-old self. Um, Ashley, this is, it usually involves food service for everybody. So what was your worst job and why? Um, so I would say my worst job, um, when I think back of something I could never do again was, mm-hmm. um, so I'm from upstate New York. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the New York state fair, mm-hmm. the great yeah. New York state fair. It's a, it's a biggie. Yeah. It's so a biggie. me, it was just something we all did, <clears throat> me and all my friends. And we would all work a booth, like a food booth there. Oh, really? A concession stand? Yeah. Like yeah. a concession stand. And when I think back to that, it's the dead of summer year. <laughs> working right next to a grill or working the grill, serving people from morning to night. We would just work on cement grounds and just like, Mm. now I think back, I'm just, I I don't know how I did that for two weeks straight. We just do it. Yeah. Yeah. 14 days and first thing in the morning until late at night. Yep. We all did it. Yep. And what was your, what was your thing? What did you do? I mean, it sounds like you did it for a few summers. Yes. Yep. We would rotate, but a lot of times, um, the guys would be back on the grills, um, doing the food and we would do the, a lot of the service in the, the front, the service, the, yep. the delivery and the taking the money and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's always a challenge. Would you prefer to be an individual contributor or a manager? This is a, a Marina question. I would prefer to manage. I think I really enjoy coaching part of a team. I like working with people. I like seeing the bigger picture of a process or a situation just to really understand what's going on. Sometimes as an individual contributor, I can get really caught up in the details. And um, I think I can process better at seeing a larger picture and really understanding. But I also do think it's really important to be an individual contributor first or to really understand the details and nitty gritty of what's happening before you can sit back and see the big picture and manage a team. You have to know how to do it yourself before you can teach someone else how to do it. Exactly. And if you're willing to do it. So it's player coach position that, you know, to be able to do both, that you can help, you can be side by side, but in the actual management function of being able to bring people along is important to you. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Well, and I also think that most people don't realize that you're actually a manager every single day. You're managing your time. You're managing your responses because in your particular role, you're supporting. I mean, it's customer service for the entire company, Mm -hmm. right? And you're also dealing with external accountants. You're dealing with all these external vendors. I mean, there's there's a lot going on. Oh, definitely. There's so many different roles um, that everyone takes 
town when you're at a startup. And I mean, it's changed drastically since being here from last year. Um, I think more people have come in and taken specific roles, but mm-hmm. um, it's been awesome getting my hands um, in each process and really learning how to do it all. That is, it's fun. Yes. It's, it's a lot of fun to be able to have that opportunity. Since you joined the company, this is a Beth question, what has been the most surprising thing that you've, you know, you joined the company, you saw a lot of passion, but then being with the company for a year, what's the most surprising thing that you've noticed? When I started, something that I was just so surprised was to learn where everyone started mm-hmm. um, career-wise. Mm-hmm. So many people have started as a wombat and then moved into product or mm-hmm. sales and mm-hmm. was able to vocalize, this is where my strong suit is, these are where my passions are, where I'm interested, and roles have been um, fitted per person almost at first you don't realize where everyone started in their career or even you, for example, starting in accounting and now being the CMO. It's just, it's really interesting um, to see where everyone started. Well, I'm a big believer that uh, a good marketing person has to have an excellent relationship with finance Uh, because if you don't, I mean, many marketers, unfortunately, overspend. Um, They don't look at the metrics that are associated with their department. Um, We end up, I mean, typically have the largest variable expense. I mean, I've had um, between headcount and program expense, it's usually one-third headcount and two-thirds programs. It's pretty easy to overdo it on programs. Mm -hmm. And if you keep coming in over budget, then what happens is the finance team doesn't trust you anymore. You're head of of finance. You want to be able to say, if, for example, Mike Volpe came to me and said, Gene, um, if if I gave you $500,000, not me personally, but for our budget, (laughs) um, how would you spend it? And I want to be able to say, well, this is how I would spend it, and this is what the likely results will be, which in turn will result in this many new customers, which will equal this amount of revenue. But if you don't have that, and you don't have that element of trust, right. you know, it, it, it's not a good thing. So I, I wish more marketers would spend some time uh, learning how to build an Excel spreadsheet, learning how to understand how budgets are made and, and how important it is from a quarterly, you know, like Rebecca will say, you know, it's all about the quarter. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's about the half of the year because budgets don't roll over. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. Well, maybe that's something we set up, some sort of... Yeah, well, you know, for the variable expenses, you know, if, if I haven't spent it probably in the first half of the year, I would argue that um, July and August are typically slower months, but I like August a lot for contra-seasonal advertising because most um, publishers or organizations that would take our money at that time are willing to give you some additional benefits because they can't get marketers to spend. But I think August is a very good month and much the same way I feel December is a very good month to set up for the following year. But you've got to be able to take advantage of those things. Finishing up Q3 going into Q4 is a huge Mm -hmm. time for uh, budgeting, forecasting, Mm -hmm. deciding what you're going to plan and expect Mm -hmm. for the upcoming year. Right, because when you're in Q4, you're already looking at the following year. Always. Typically. Typically, yes. Let's see. The Kelsey, Chrissy, excuse me, Chrissy said, what's your most interesting experience or trip that you've ever done? 
I would say, I don't know, interesting, but just the best trip I've ever been on would <laughs> for my honeymoon, we went to Italy. I am a super planner, so I tend to overplan trips sometimes. I spend hours researching things to do, restaurants to go to. But I think because it was following my wedding, I just didn't have that extra time. Being in Italy, we just had no direct plans, just mm-hmm. woke up, relaxed all day, walked the streets, figured out what we wanted to do that day. And it has taught me to stop over planning trips because it was the best trip I've ever been on. Right, because you didn't feel like oh, we have to be here, we have to do that, and right. that sort of thing. And it probably you probably needed that after the wedding. Absolutely. You, you definitely, definitely needed some downtime in order to, and also to be able to sleep because you're there's six hours ahead of us, and I'm reasonably sure you probably didn't wake up until 10. Even yeah, best, to catch best up on the plan. sleep. Yes, right. <laughs> best laid plans and all that. So that's great. What was your favorite city in Italy? Um, I would say Florence. Mostly I'm a big foodie and the food there I just thought was definitely the best. It was so good. Northern Italian, a lot of lot of different choices. Yeah, it was so it was the best I'm a love pizza, favorite food ever. <laughs> really? Best pizza was in Florence. I really? loved it. Yeah. And what did you have on the pizza? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Mm, okay. Pepperoni pizza. Yep. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, there you go. And she she probably Instagrammed that. Yes. <laughs> Does it feel like we're on a rocket ship at uh, Lola? Yes, I would say yes. There's something new every day that's happening here. Right when you you have a goal or a task, it is accomplished. You mm-hmm. just move on to the next. There's always something more to do, something um, to help us grow, to get a process better, mm-hmm. to improve on something that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's began moving faster than it it was it's just we just keep going 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 and it's, it's pretty exciting right now so exciting and you're, I'm learning so much so much I, like every day is different and different things I've never worked on before so it's been an awesome experience it is it is a very good experience to have under your belt your favorite Lola value Lola pack wicked loving customer core humble learner mm, definitely wicked loving for me um, like I said the people um, was something I noticed that made me accept this job immediately. And I truly, I'm affected by my surroundings, my um, environment I'm in. And I think that if I truly loved what I was doing every day, but was surrounded by people that I didn't enjoy, that it's something I could not, I could not continue to do. I think the people that surround you affect everything yes, in your true. job day to day. And, and we're very lucky with, with people in this company. I think that people really care. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Liz, our office manager, she said, um, and, and I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing this and I may not be asking it correctly. Is there anything in the office that you'd like to see changed or upgraded or something that, because we're moving to a new office and what would you like? I'm excited for the new office because, well, I know that this we will have a space, a separate space to just eat lunch. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to step away from your I desk a little bit. I said the same thing. I said, I'm so tired of eating my lunch at my desk. Yes, yeah. I think it's so important. It's You can have conversations outside mm-hmm. of your desk. Um, mm-hmm. Step away from your computer for a little bit mm-hmm. and have your lunch somewhere. And when I had started, we were able to use that back table um, where oh, the wombat yeah, that's sit. right. That's right. Yeah, so we had, and then we just kept growing, and now, right. you know, I do eat lunch at my desk, so I think that that's something I think is really important, and I'm excited for the new office. Yeah, me too. Um, just to be able to just say hi to people or either have meetings or a cup of tea or something with, with right. some people, yeah, because it's, it's a little challenging right now. Yeah. Do you have a question for me? Is there anything I can answer for you? 
So I know we talked about how you used to be in accounting, and yeah. I guess I'm just curious what made you realize marketing was the place for you? Well, that's an interesting question because when I first went to college, I was going to major in journalism, and my dad was the managing editor of the Springfield Union Times um, at the time, and Springfield Mass in Western Massachusetts, and he was the one that said, no, you're not going to go. He, he told me that I was just too positive of a person, and, and he is a cynic now. He still reads three papers a day. I just visited my parents, and uh, still getting the three papers a day, which are getting skinnier and skinnier. And he said, no, you, you don't want to do that. And so I had that skill set of being able to write and understanding that. But I also had a pretty clear cut understanding of finance and that sort of thing. Not So just accounting to me was something that as a woman, I knew I could always do that. I'd always have that as a, a skill set that would take me anywhere. And so that's what I did. And I went to work for Bay State Medical Center as in the accounting department. And that's a whole story unto itself. But then at that point, I Milton Bradley Company asked me to be part of their marketing team and being responsible for their in-house newspaper, which had 7,000 employees, shareholders. They had 14 different divisions, so it was a great corporate, oh. you know, great <laughs> corporate experience for me. And so the the accounting has always been beneficial to me, but it's also it's which is good because I can have good relationships and make my books balance. Or, but I also have that creative side of me, too, that can uh, figure out things to do to be able to help grow our business and increase our buzz. So I'm lucky enough to be able to work with some super smart people and very creative people like our, our friend Connor here, who's producing our, our radio show right now. So I think uh, I've been very, very lucky. It's been great having you here, Chelsea. It's so, it's yeah. so it wasn't so painful. No, not so bad. Not so bad. So she did it. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from Lola.com on the Funnel Radio Network. Be sure to subscribe on TableFries.com. Table Fries is brought to you by Lola.com, super simple corporate travel software from the travel innovators who brought you Kayak. Whether you want better visibility into travel spend, help managing your corporate travel program, or 24-7 human-powered support while you're on the road, Lola.com is the perfect solution. Lola.com, a better way to travel for business. 